Voices, a fresh perspective on voting, politics, and power. Hey everyone, it's Sophia, and welcome back. Today, on our very special podcast, we're going to be discussing the upcoming Pennsylvania primary elections. These elections are going to be held on May 18th. And remember, you must register by May 3rd to be able to vote in these elections. So head over to cmac.vote slash 2021 to do so. Now, before we start talking about the primary elections, we have to understand what exactly they are. So the primary elections are elections where each party selects its candidates that will run in the general election, as well as their party officers. So in PA, you can only vote for candidates of the same party that you're registered with. So, for example, if you're a Republican, you can only vote in the Republican Party, but not in the Democratic Party. As I stated before, the last day to register is May 3rd. And the last day to request a mail-in ballot is Tuesday, May 11th. Polls are open on May 18th from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. So if if you are eligible and you are registered, please make sure to go out and vote. Hi guys, it's Bye 3 So in any election, obviously, we have to have candidates. So we definitely want to fill you guys in on who you're potentially voting for. And first we have the Democratic primaries, which are mainly judicial. In regards to the Supreme Court, which is the highest court in the state, and these judges review appeals from lower courts and hold rulings against the PA Constitution, we have one judge running, Judge Maria McLaughlin, and she is a current Superior Court judge. And since she's the only candidate running, I believe she is the only option for that office. Then we have the Superior Court, which you can vote for one person out of the three people running. We have Attorney Jill Beck, Judge Tamika Lane, and Brian Neff. And notably, the Superior Court has judges who review civil and criminal cases that are appealed from the courts of common pleas. Then for Commonwealth Court, you have four Democratic options and you can vote for two of them. Judge Lori Dumas, Attorney Amanda Green Hawkins, Judge David Spurgeon, and Judge Sierra Street. And the Commonwealth Court handles civil actions brought against the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Next, we have the Republican primaries and we have three Supreme Court candidates for the Republican Party and you can vote for one of them. We have Judge Kevin Brobson, who is a current Commonwealth judge. We have Judge Patricia McCullough, and then we have Judge Paula A. Patrick. Then there is the Superior Court, which only has one candidate, who is your sole option for the Republican Party, Attorney Megan Sullivan-Kampf, and for the Commonwealth Court, two options, and you can vote for two, so Stacey Marie Wallace and Drew Compton. And next we have retention elections, which are basically like yes or no, it's a vote of confidence and it is nonpartisan. And this means that the party of the judge will not be shown on the ballot. Instead, it will be a yes or no choice. And this is a vote of confidence based on the judge's rulings over their terms. So the judges are not up against each other. 
for the Superior Court, which, as I said before, is an appellate court that hears appeals of civil and private civil criminal cases. We have John T. Bender and Mary Jane Bowes. For Commonwealth Court candidates, which handles original civil actions and appeals from state agency decisions, we have Ann Covey and Renee Cohen Jubilierer. And yes, that is it for retention elections. In regards to mayoral elections that are happening, there are elections for the mayor of Pittsburgh, Lancaster, Allentown, and Harrisburg. And now to Sahaj for the importance of voting. Hey guys, it's Sahaj, and I wanted to talk about the importance of voting and impacts on elections and all of that. So first of all, our vote matters. Our vote determines who wins in office. Yes, the Electoral College is the only one that really chooses the president, but our vote impacts which candidate gets our electors. Um, plus, the presidential election is not the only election that exists. Every two years, we have congressional elections. Every six years, we have Senate elections. And depending on which state you live in, like Pennsylvania, you may have a state election this year right now. Many people believe that the presidential election or presidents are the only ones that impact us. However, the elections from the local and state level impact us like way much more than what we kind of think of. And we have the ability and we should make sure that we are using our vote in every election, regardless of the level, um, to ensure that they can hear us and listen to us and, you know, do that. So um, based talking about accountability when we're when you're voting, um, you're holding elected officials accountable in the local, state and federal levels. Accountability ensures that our elected officials are doing their job in helping us in any sort of way and also know who they are really serving. Moving on to a policy shaper as a vote. Whenever you watch the news or have seen the government budget, you can notice that most of the budget goes towards social security and healthcare for the most. Those two topics are very important, but one thing that they share is that they're most relevant to older people and older people are typically the ones who vote the most. If the turnout changes where more younger people start to vote, the government will notice these changes and change your budget and policy agenda to fit their new audience, which would be younger voters. The presidents do this, um, especially because most of them want to win re-election and want to do the best to please their crowd. Therefore, if more people vote besides older people, like younger people, the possibility of policy changing to our preference may actually happen. As mentioned before, older people mostly vote and influence the policy agenda, um, but if more people like you are voting, not only will policy change, but also representation as it will influence the government to be more responsive towards the people and be more aware of what's going on in the world around them. But we need to make sure that everyone votes so that way people who cannot vote can see an example of what change actually looks like and inspire apathetic voters to join the cause and help as well. Now that we have been reminded why it's so important to vote, I'm going to be talking about exactly who we can vote for in these upcoming elections. So there are ballot offices for the entire state of Pennsylvania. There's one seat on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. There's one seat on the Pennsylvania Superior Court. And finally, there's one seat on the Pennsylvania Commonwealth Court. However, there are also county-specific offices. 
I'm going to be talking about four. So for example, in District 22, there's one seat on the Pennsylvania State Senate. In District 48, there's one seat on the Pennsylvania State Senate. On, in District 59, there's one seat on the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. And the same goes for District 60. There's also one seat on the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. In the elections in the United States, there is something called a provisional ballot, which is used to record a vote when there are questions about a given voter's eligibility. That means that, for example, if someone does not have a name in a poll book, if someone's mail-in ballot was rejected, or if there's a mistake on your voter card, provisional ballots are used when there's issues that arise in your ability to vote. Hey everyone, it's Anika. So you probably have heard that you need to bring a form of identification to the polling booth, but let's talk about specifically what those IDs can be. In general, you must bring a photo or non-photo ID. Your photo ID can include a Pennsylvania driver's license, a PennDOT ID card, an ID issued by any Commonwealth agency, an ID issued by the US government, a US passport, a US Armed Forces ID, a student ID, or an employee ID. If you choose not to bring a photo ID and instead a non-photo ID, you just have to make sure that includes your name and your address. So that could include a confirmation issued by county voter registration offices, an ID issued by the Commonwealth, or an ID issued by the US government, currently a current utility bill, a current bank statement, a current paycheck, or a current government check. All right, now I'm gonna be talking about um, what else you wanna prepare when you're going to vote. Before you go, you wanna make sure to find your polling place by entering your area code during your registration with voting organizations such as PA Youth Vote, When We All Vote, Vote.org, and more. You wanna learn about the voting system in, our, in your county and just how it works to have a basic understanding. Most importantly, you wanna be familiar with the candidates and measures on the ballot and plan on who you will be voting for based on their beliefs and policies. This is really important if you wanna make a change in your community. Um, about the polling places in PA, polls will be open on voting day on May 18th from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. The morning and even evening are typically the busiest times to go, so try to go in between if that's possible for you. If you have any questions or concerns, make sure you ask a poll worker for assistance. If you're facing any problems, um, if you need help voting or cannot go to a poll due to polling place due to a disability or are unable to use the voting system, please learn about accessible voting options. If your name is not on the voter roster and you know that you registered to vote in your area, you may vote on a provisional ballot. Your vote will count if election officials decide that you are eligible. If you are away from your area on election day, you may be able to vote through an absentee ballot. So next we'll be moving on to voting rights because voters have rights that are protected by both federal and Pennsylvania law. In essence, it is illegal for any state or local government to discrimi discriminate against anyone by denying them the right to vote based on their race, ethnicity, or language. One's right to vote can only be challenged if a poll worker, a poll watcher, or a fellow voter says that one does not live in the precinct or are not who one says one is. 
it is illegal for any person or corporation to intimidate or bribe one to vote for or against a particular candidate or political issue. There are also laws that protect people and language minority groups from discrimination, ensure that people with a disability or the elderly can vote independently and privately, and establish rights for people who are jailed or who have been convicted of a crime. Next, we'll be looking at voting rights laws, which um, combat unfair voting practices that have been increasingly diminished as voting rights have been strengthened. First, we'll be looking at the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which states that no state or local government can deny someone the right to vote based on their race or ethnicity. This law also protects against the discrimination of people in language minority groups, and the federal government notably extended the Voting Rights Act in 1970, 1975, and 1982. Next, we have HAVA, the Help America Vote Act of 2002. And this occurred when in an attempt to correct the issues of the 2000 presidential election, the United States Congress enacted the Help America Vote Act in October of 2002. This act applies to all federal elections and has seven major requirements, which are to create standards for all voting systems used by the states, require voting systems to be accessible to people with disabilities and those using languages other than English. This also requires the use of provisional ballots and to implement identification requirements for those who vote for the first time after registering by mail. It also requires states to implement a statewide voter registration database and to provide a board to establish standards for what constitutes as a vote. Moreover, and finally, the seventh requirement is that states must conduct educational programs for voters and election officials. Finally, we have the Voting Accessibility for the Elderly and Handicapped Act of 1984. And this law requires the United States polling places to be physically accessible to people with disabilities for all federal elections. If no accessible location is available to serve as a polling place, a county must provide an alternate means of casting a ballot on election day. And then we will move on to information about how to be a poll worker. Elections in Pennsylvania are made possible by thousands of regular civilians serving as poll workers all across the state's commonwealth. We all depend on responsible workers to smoothly get through elections. So if you wanna help out your community, please get involved in this today. Some benefits of becoming a poll worker are that you can learn more about elections in Pennsylvania. You gain very valuable experience by promoting democracy and civic engagement. And the position is paid in both trainings and election day. And finally, and the most important community involvement. In regards to the specific positions of poll workers, there are first of all, judge of elections, majority inspectors and minority inspectors. These three positions make up the local election board in each precinct. The judge of elections is the person in charge at the polling place and the judge of elections and the major majority and minority inspectors work together to manage the polling place, keep track of the number of voters and make sure that the returns are delivered to the county election office at the very end of the day. These positions are filled during municipal elections every four years. And the last time these elections took place was in 2017. And the next time will be now in 2021. When the positions are vacant, someone is appointed to the job. So apply 
and you can really help out your community. Second, we have clerk and machine inspectors who are also known as machine operators. These workers support the local election board and they are supervised by the judge of elections. Clerks and machine inspectors help check in voters, manage the lines and make sure voters know where to go at each step in the voting process. Unlike the elected positions, these positions are always filled by appointment. Next, we have Sophia on the requirements for voting in Pennsylvania. So if you would like to become a poll worker, there are some requirements to do so. First, you must be registered to vote in the county where you would like to become a poll worker. And there are some exceptions for 17-year-old high school students who must meet additional requirements. For example, high school students should contact their county election office for more information. To find the specific county election office, one can visit votespa.com and you can just navigate to the county election office page. Government officials and government employees are not allowed to serve as poll workers. However, there are some exceptions for district judges, notary publics, and members of the Pennsylvania National Guard. Moreover, you are generally not allowed to serve if your name appears on the ballot to avoid any clashing of interests. Poll workers generally work for the entire day on election day from before the time the poll opens at 7 a.m. until after the poll closes at 8 p.m. Since there's a lot to do being a poll worker, they must attend the county training sessions to understand exactly their election day duties. And all poll, poll workers are paid for the time they spend working on election day just because it is a long time. Now, if you're interested in actually becoming a poll worker, there are simple steps to do so. So you first need to fill out a form. I'm going to read the link of the form, but it probably should be on our description too, just because it's very long. Um, but <laughs> the link is https colon dash dash expressforms.pa.gov slash apps, so A-P-P-S, slash P-A, slash capital D, capital O, capital S, dash votes, P-A, slash county. And you just fill the form and you submit the form. And after you submit this form, your county elections office will contact you. And you can reach out to the election office to follow up, or you can find the con. And to do this, you can find the contact information on the contact your elections official page at votespa.com. And this is actually very quick. It just checks if one meets the requirements and verifies one's identity. So if you're interested, just make sure you follow those simple steps. And finally, we are going to be talking about the effects of voting and not voting to finish off our episode tonight. Thanks, Sophia. We have said it before and we will avidly say it again, voting and not voting has huge effects. An important consequence with the continuing evolution of voting restrictions is unequal voter turnout in elections with white Americans and particularly affluent white Americans out participating people of color, low income people and youth by wide margins. 
which results in large numbers of lesser advantaged Americans who are left out of the democratic process. In 2012, 26 million eligible voters of color didn't vote. And among the eligible voters earning less than $50,000, 47 million people didn't vote either. In 2014, 44 million eligible voters of color didn't vote and 66 million eligible voters earning less than $50,000 didn't vote. Guys, these aren't just numbers. These are millions of people who don't get the opportunity to say something in making a change. Voting inequality is underestimated in its social impact and in the larger policy debates about the direction of our country. Young people from ages 18 to 29 make up 21% of the eligible voting population. And when, a younger, and when younger people participate in elections, it makes it more likely that others in their households will vote as well. The right to vote has not always been guaranteed for people of color, women, and young people, really anyone who isn't white, male, or a property owner. It wasn't until 1869 that Black men were granted suffrage, and not until 1920 for women. The Voting Rights Act of 1965 tackled discrimination in voting at the local level, and before it was enacted, many people of color, men and women, were prevented from exercising their right to vote. The voting age was 21 until it was lowered to 18 in 1971. The Voting Rights Act prohibited the states from using literacy tests and other methods of excluding African Americans from voting. Prior to this, only an estimated 23% of voting age Black people were registered nationally, but by 1969, that number had jumped to 61%. The negative impact of not voting in a community is that making a collective decision that your voice and influence won't be heard. Even when your vote will not have an immediate impact, it can always carry a residual echo for the future. Voter registration in the United States is largely left to the initiative of individuals and political parties. Through attempts to increase voter registration were made in the 1990s through the implementation of motor voter laws, which allowed citizens to register to vote when they received or renewed their driver's license. The failure of certain types of people to vote in elections has important implications. Most analysis have found that if all eligible voters cast a ballot, the balance of electoral power would favor the recently enfranchised and less privileged, privileged members of society. Hi, it's Sahaj. I'm going to be talking about a quick little voter eligibility checklist for you when you're ready to vote. So there are five steps to voting. The first step is to register. The second step is to find your polling place. The third is to know who or what is on your ballot. Four is to check if you need ID. And five is to vote. All right, so let's get into the first step. The first step is to register. So first of all, are you eligible? Eligible voters have to be a citizen of the United States for at least one month before the next primary, special, municipal, or general election to be a resident of Pennsylvania and the election district in which you want to register and vote for at least 30 days before the next primary, special, municipal, or general election. You must be at least 18 years of age on or before the day of the next primary, special, municipal, or general election. So, registering. Are you registered to vote? 
Registering to vote is the first step in making sure you are ready to vote and eligible to vote. If you still need to register, visit the link in our bio or the website whenweallvote.org to get yourself registered in less than five minutes. Don't forget to ask a friend if they have registered. However, the um, May 3rd deadline for registering for the primaries has already passed, so hopefully you are already registered and ready to go. Let's move on to the next step. Next step is to find your polling place. So this is you're going to be finding the um, location where you can vote in person on voting date. You can use um, a couple links that we uh, have gathered. One is going to vote411.org and finding their first-time voter checklist or pavoterservices.pa.gov and finding their polling place info. These can also be used to learn about your state's early voting and absentee um, ballots and, you know, what what the rules are behind that. The next step is to know who is on your ballot or what is on your ballot, like ballot measures, when you're going and voting on voting day, which is May 18th. So you need to make sure that you're aware of the candidates and what you will see on the ballot and what they stand for. Knowing current ballot measures are also important, as I talked about. Again, you can visit vote411.org to find those ballot measures or the people you will be voting for. Next, you're going to check if you need ID. Some states require an ID to vote. Check with your state's rules with this link, which is vote411.org again, first time voter checklist to um, find out. And I think this is in our episode description, so make sure you check that out if you need help. And the last step is to vote. Congratulations, you've completed all the steps and are ready to vote. All right, guys, so I know that that was a lot of information, so I'm going to go over the deadlines one more time. So the voter registration deadline is May 3rd. The deadline to request mail-in ballots is 5 p.m. on May 11th. The deadline to return mail-in ballots is 8 p.m. on May 18th. And the primary election date is May 18th. And the first day to register after the primary is May 19th. And the general election is on November 3rd. Hi everyone, this is Guy3 from PA Youth Voices, and I am here to give some advice for first-time voters. So, if you are voting in Pennsylvania for the first time, or if you are voting in a new polling place, it is so very important that you learn how to get ready to go to the polling place on election day. So, I'm just going to give you some essential information in regards to making sure that you are ready for the Pennsylvania primary elections, which are on May 18th, less than a week away. And um, obviously, the registration deadline was May 3rd. The mail-in ballot deadline was May 11th, so that's already passed. But hopefully, you registered and you are ready to go on May 18th. So, first of all, what you need to do before Election Day is, you first of all, you have to register with any voting organization or anything online or a mail-in. Typically, online is more accessible, but um, you had to have registered before May 3rd. And if you've done so, great job. Next, you want to know where your polling place is. And this probably would have come up in your registration, but if it didn't, you can go to votespa.com to find your polling place by entering your address. And that is votespa.com, V-O-T-E-S-P-A.com. You can also learn about the voting system in your county and state at votespa.com. And beyond that, it is so important to research the candidates and measures on the ballot at Ballotpedia and plan who you're going to vote for. Once again, that's Ballotpedia, B-A-L-L-O-T-P, 
PEDIA.org and you want to know what candidates and measures you're going to vote for, vote for or against. And it's really important that you don't show up unprepared and you know beforehand whose values align with your own values and you know who you're going to vote for at the polls. Next, what ID you should bring. So you are required um, to bring a photo or non-photo ID. Photo ID includes a PA driver's license, a PennDOT ID card, an ID issued by any Commonwealth agency, an ID issued by the U.S. government, a U.S. passport, a U.S. Armed Forces ID, a student ID, or an employee ID. And a non-photo ID must include your name and address. This could be a confirmation issued by your county voter registration office, an ID issued by the Commonwealth, an ID issued by the U.S. government, a current utility bill, a current bank statement, a current paycheck, or a, cover or a government check. Obviously, a photo ID might be easier. I think driver's licenses, um, passports, student and employee IDs are typically the most accessible, but if not, non-photo IDs are perfectly all right as well. Next, what you need to know about your polling place. So in the lovely state of Pennsylvania, polls will be open on voting day, May 18th from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Once again, that's May 18th from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. The morning and evening are typically the busiest times to vote, so it would be best if you could try to go in between if possible. If not, that's totally all right. Any time that works for you between 7 a.m. and 8 p.m., just saying that if you can manage to squeeze in um, it into your schedule on May 18th, somewhere in the middle of the day, that would probably be best in terms of how crowded the polls are. And if you have any questions or concerns at your polling place, be sure to ask a poll worker for assistance. They are very helpful and they're there to do their job of assisting you. Next, what do you need to do if you face any problems at the polls? So if you need help with voting or cannot go to a polling place due to an illness or disability, or are just unable to use the voting system, please learn about accessible voting options. If your name is not on the voter roster and you know that you registered to vote in your area, you may vote on a provisional ballot. Your vote will count if election officials decide that you are eligible. Furthermore, if you are away from your area on election day, you may be able to vote through an absentee ballot, although that deadline um, was May 11th, it passed for mail-in and absentee ballots. So, Hopefully you have planned your schedule accordingly. And one last thing you wanna be sure um, to know the number of the election protection program in case you need to defend yourself or need assistance in facing any problems at the polling place. And the election protection program number is 1-866-OUR-VOTE, 1-866-O-U-R-V-O-T-E. And that is the election protection program number, 1-866-OUR-VOTE. So coming back to the voter accessibility um, aspect of our polls in Pennsylvania, voters over 65 and voters with a disability may get help with voting and there are several choices for how to vote. Um, many people often ask if there was an accessible voting system at their polling place and I'd say every polling place in Pennsylvania must have at least one accessible voting system. Sometimes this could just be a general voting system that's used by all voters. Other times it might be a separate system with features such as audio, tactile keys, and other assistive technology for people with disabilities or, uh, or the elderly. And it's really important if you do fit into one of these categories to look up the accessible voting system in your county 
votespa.com is a great website for information about your specific area in which you live in Pennsylvania. Once again, that's votespa.com, votespa.com. And um, it's really important that you look up the accessible voting system in your county, you find your polling place to make sure that it's accessible for you, and that you contact your county election office in case you need further assistance. And in terms of how you do get assistance at the polling place, if you need help voting due to a disability, you're allowed to bring a person of your choice to assist you in the voting process. There are a few restrictions on who to bring and who you might cannot choose a person. And you're not allowed to bring a judge of elections, your union representative, or your employer as the person assisting you. Anyone else is typically all right, although you might want to check that. And the first time that you have someone help you vote, the election officials at your polling place will require you to complete and sign a form called a Declaration of Need of Assistance. And after this first time, your registration record will note that you have completed the form and you have um, clarified your disability and assistance that you need. So yeah, um, that is basically uh, all you need to know. That's my main advice for first-time voters. This is really exciting. I, even if you aren't a first-time voter, I'm sure that this has helped you. And yeah, have fun at the primaries. Um, you are exercising your vote and you are voting is a privilege. So great job. And thank you for serving your community and your state by being civically engaged. Bye. And that's a wrap for this episode. We hope you are now more well-informed on the primary elections and why they are so important. As you now know, not voting means not having your voice heard, so make sure that you register before May 3rd. This includes people who are 17 but will be 18 before May 18th. That's a lot of 18s. Also, don't forget to go out and vote after doing some research on the candidates and elections we talked about. For more information, visit our website, payouthvote.org, and follow us on Instagram at payouthvote for civic education updates. See you next time!